Good morning, Forest Grove Community Church, Attridge Congregation. Welcome here to those of you in the room. Welcome here, those of you online. My name is Kevin. I serve here as the uh, small groups pastor. And this morning we are into the third week of our discipleship steps series. We have three discipleship steps, create community, experience and model Jesus' love, train one another in obedience, and serve others and proclaim the gospel. And we're calling this series Invitation, is an invitation to, to discipleship. And Jesus invited people to come and follow me and, and follow who he was and learn who he was. And so we are uh, inviting you to come and follow uh, Jesus through this uh, series. This morning is, uh, we're going to take a look at our third discipleship step, the train one another in obedience. And as we are in our morning uh, prep meeting here at staff, Don said it this way, the lovey-dovey steps are over. <laughs> train one another in obedience. Jesus invites us to come and follow him as a disciple. Uh, we have an invitation to community. We have an invitation to experience him. And those ones sound really good. An invitation to train sounds like someone is asking you to go to the gym. And for some of you, you already feel like you went to the gym with FX. That was enough movement for you this morning. Uh, others of you, you know you need to go to the gym. Uh, and uh, some of you are really excited. Oh, great, you get to, get to go to the gym. As much as some of us, uh, including myself, are kind of turned off by an invitation to train, uh, to go to the gym, I think we all recognize that it probably wouldn't hurt us. It's something that we actually uh, do need. We do need some physical training, and we do also need uh, some spiritual training. Uh, obedience also isn't a word that we're overly excited about, uh, typically. Often it's heard as a command, and uh, we kind of hear, uh, maybe it's just me, but, you know, obey your father, you know, you need to obey. And, and it kind of just doesn't, doesn't sit well. We're not naturally inclined uh, to, uh, to, to obey. And yet, again, in a loving relationship, um, we know that it, that it is important. So uh, we're 0 for 2 as we start looking at this train one another in obedience. Um, training, nah. Obedience, nah. Sorry, am I crackling here? There we go. Hopefully that helps. Um, but if we talk about one another... Then, then at least we, we're in it together. And throughout Scripture, the, the one another's of Scripture are uh, full of loving relationships throughout the Word of God, and, and uh, we do train one another. And, and this is hard in, in an environment like this where it's more one-way communication. It's hard to train. But that's really the value of small groups. Uh, we have lots of small groups that are available in the life of our church, and if you'd like to, to join them, they're great places to end up discussing, okay, how, how are we training one another? What are we, how are we going to learn and, and process this stuff together? If you're not in a small group, uh, use uh, roommates, use your family, uh, other friends who think different than you uh, to help you grow in your spiritual life. So let's start this morning uh, by grounding ourselves in Scripture and where does this discipleship step come uh, the scripture this morning uh, it comes right after Jesus' death and right uh, after his resurrection, and he appears to the disciples, and yet scripture says that some of them actually still doubted. And this is what we, we assume Jesus says right before he ascends into heaven. Matthew 28, 18 to 21. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And again, there's, there's so much comfort in that last uh, phrase, I am with you always. Jesus saying to his disciples, and, and now we know through the, through the person of the Holy Spirit, that there's great comfort in that Jesus is in this with us. Uh, this, this passage talks about going and making disciples, not just making converts, someone who just you know, prays a prayer, but no, like make disciple, make a learner, make a student, make, make a person who has a posture of growth, who leans in, who asks good questions, who tries new things, who's willing to fail and rely on the grace of Jesus as they attempt to live out uh, his words and his commands. I also wouldn't be true to the text if I didn't point out that baptism is a command of Jesus. And baptism is an entry point into the body of Christ. It's at the starting point of our faith and should be closely connected to someone's salvation. And uh, if you're someone who's a follower of Jesus and you haven't been baptized, I would love to talk to you more about what baptism is and how we can end up uh, helping you uh, to step forward in obedience and following Jesus in, uh, in baptism. Baptism sometimes is, is scary and weird because you're in water and in front of people and clothes and like, what, what do we do? I have to share a story and uh, we walk you through that. And yeah, it is kind of uncomfortable and sometimes it's a little awkward. And yet as we follow Jesus, even in those commands that we kind of go, okay, this seems kind of weird. Why would I do this? Uh, we learn to follow deeper uh, with, as we take steps forward uh, with him in obedience. So uh, we do have baptism and membership sessions that come up right after Thanksgiving, uh, Sunday afternoons, and I, if those dates don't work for you, I'd love to talk to you about uh, some other times that uh, we could end up uh, discussing baptism together. This discipleship step of uh, train one another in obedience, is, it finds its root in this passage as Jesus says, teach them everything I have commanded. And a few years ago, I, I spoke on this as well. I'm sure you've all had now three years to, to live this out from that last message, but I put up on the screen everything that Jesus commanded. Every command, according to some Google guy, whatever it was, but it went through scripture and this is every command of Jesus and uh, there's hundreds of them. And Yet Jesus is saying to his disciples, teach them everything that I have commanded. So we're not going to go through that. Uh, again, I, if you're in a small group, I put those in the sermon discussion questions for this week. You'll, you can see all the commands of Jesus. And if, you don't, if you're not in a small group, you can still click on the link right with the, the, the message for this, this morning. You click on it and there it says sermon discussion questions. You click on that and it'll give you the, the, the resources uh, for this morning, some questions to think of as well. So, uh, like I said, if, if I was going to take you to the gym, um, we wouldn't be able to do a complete workout here in 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, it just wouldn't, you know, if we're training, it just all of a sudden step in and, and get fit in a day isn't going to happen. Even just understanding a machine isn't going to totally happen quickly. You need to learn how to use it. But that's what I'm going to point us in the right direction here. I'm going to show you how to use a model and a method to interpret Scripture. It's part of our training to understand understand scripture, and it'll go up on the screen here uh, behind me. And as disciples of Jesus, uh, discerning and understanding God's word is super important as each of us learns uh, to live it out. So 
Uh, first, here's the model. So this is like the machine. It has three parts to it. And then we'll move on to the method, how to use the machine. So uh, there's three parts. The Bible, the Holy Spirit, and community. So we're Mennonite Brethren Church. That's our denomination. That's our, our kind of that's our stream, our, our tradition here of, of how we do things. And, and our confession of faith says this, we believe that the entire Bible was inspired by God through the Holy Spirit, who guides the community of faith in the interpretation of Scripture. So the Bible and the Spirit, that's the authority, they, but they need the context of the community to actually live out the authority of Jesus. The Bible and the community end up needing the Spirit to help us discern uh, what's been said and how to live. And the Spirit and the community actually need the Bible for clear understanding of God's story. So all three of these are needed. We can't discern God's way without the Bible and the Spirit. We also can't do it just alone, just me. This is what it says. It's community in the, in the, in the context of us together. So, as a pastor, sometimes I have people come up to me and say, the Spirit of God has said to me, which is wonderful. If you're hearing from the Spirit of God, love it. I respond with, let's look into Scripture and let's test it with the community. So, it's not just Holy Spirit speaking to me. If someone comes to me and says, I need to do this, it says so, it's right here in the Bible, I need to do this, I respond with, let's discern it with prayer, the power of the Spirit, and the community. And sometimes people are so quick to, it says this in the Bible, I'm going to go do this. And we're going to show you that there, there's a little bit of a different way to understand that in the context of community as we interpret uh, God's Word. So let's, let's actually look at this machine. Let's, let's test it with a real scenario, a not-so-random uh, text, uh, rather relevant for today, I would think. Uh, it comes from Romans 13. Chapter 1, it says this, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. So we've just had an election. I'm not going to make big political statements. We're not going to go into and interpret this text using this model. Again, it, it takes time. It, it, we need to, to, to have that as our regular disciplines. And, and we actually have done lots of interpretation on this in community uh, throughout the years, well before the pandemic, well before this most recent election, back even in 2000, our, our denomination has statements on this, and I'll, I'll come to that in a little bit. It's rather relevant, and as we live this out, we realize that we need both the Spirit of God in community, as well as deeper understanding through exegesis, through interpretation. And again, I'm just going to teach you the model, the method, uh, this morning, and let's have that scripture uh, of Romans chapter 13 in the back of our mind, because I think it's one that many of us are, are asking, okay, how do I, what do I do? How, do? how do we live that out? How do I live that out? What is this, what is God saying through this? So, to, uh, that's the machine. We have the, the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have community. That's the machine. Now, how do we use it? And this goes to the top part of that, of that image. And this is the method. So the first thing we do is we have to look at our posture. What's influencing us as we approach this text? Again, not just individually, this is corporate, but we need to start by acknowledging some of our biases. 
do we really want to hear from God and desire? Do we have a desire to obey Him? What's happening around us that's influencing us with this text? What influences do we bring to the text from our backgrounds and history? So, with each one of these, uh, with each one of these, these steps in the, in the method, there's three questions. And again, you can, you can find those in the, in the link. I'll read them here. How do we adopt a posture that helps us be receptive to hear God through Scripture? Humility, patience, not being rushed to, to make quick decisions. Second question, uh, how do our own situations and experiences provide a lens for reading the Bible? Again, we just had an election. We live in a Western democracy in the 21st century. How do, how do those situations influence us? Third, how does our culture and traditions, our theological beliefs, and interpretive frameworks shape our perspectives and expectations regarding what the Bible says? So for some of you, you've been part of the Mennonite Brethren denomination for years. Um, Again, this is, this is something that you've looked into, and you kind of have that as your framework of how you're already understanding this, and, you know, there's nothing really new. What's there to interpret uh, for some of you? For some of you, you come from other streams, and you're like, okay, how is this church, why is this church making the decisions they're making based around governing authorities? And, and you might kind of have some questions about, well, why are they interpreting Scripture this way? And others of you, you have no lens for interpretation. You're kind of just reading it and going, okay, what does that mean? Why did he write that? What was, what was going on in that, in that situation? And that's where we just simply need to acknowledge where we're coming from to start. Once we've acknowledged our, our, uh, our posture, then we move to interpretation. Uh, how does the, the genre of the Bible, uh, the book of the Bible, uh, guide our reading? So, in the Bible, there's lots of different styles of writing. There's prophecy and history and poetry Romans 13 is a letter. Roman, the book of Romans is, is a letter to the, fol- the followers of Jesus that were living in Rome. Uh, second question, how do we engage a close reading, grammatical, historical exegesis of biblical text? This is, this is your, your scholarly study. And one of the, the factors here is that uh, Paul was, was writing this uh, under Nero. Nero was the Roman emperor at the time. Nero was not known to be favorable towards Christians. There was torture. There was serious persecution. He burned Rome and blamed the Christians, tortured them. So that's who Paul is writing to. He's saying to all the believers in Rome under Nero. That factors in with this text. And then the third question how is a particular text understood within the larger canonical story, the canon, the Bible, the whole the accepted books of, of the Bible? How does this text fit within all of that? We use Scripture to interpret Scripture. And so you can, you can look through the entire Bible and you can see the teaching of Jesus. You can see the teaching from the Old Testament. You can see the teaching from Revelation. And all of those factor into how we interpret this passage because we use the whole Bible to interpret what is said. There's amazing stories of people submitting to authorities. There's amazing stories of people where authorities were resisted throughout the Bible. So how do those play into our interpretation? We also need to look at just the context of the passage. If we just take one verse and we go, well, that's what we have to do, we're kind of missing it here. So if you actually look just before this in in Romans, at the end of Romans uh, chapter 12, uh, it's all about love in action. That's what the NIV titles the section. 
Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another. Practice hospitality. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. If it's possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Those are the words right before this. And then, right, we read this Romans 13 passage, which talks about submitting to authorities and paying your taxes in this chunk. And then right after that, Paul writes uh, in uh, 13, uh, 8 to 10, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command may be, remember we're talking about teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Those are the other commands. All the commands are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So, we can't interpret Romans chapter 13 and remove it from love. That's that's the context. To interpret Scripture, we always look to our teachers and authors and commentators. Um, I have a little recommendation for you. Uh, Don't view Google as your authority. Um, Maybe it should… I just need to say it. Um, Yes, I use Google lots, but it's not like my final authority that I found some guy on Google that said this, and so now it's authority. It doesn't work that way. We use our theologians. We use our confession of faith. We use other Anabaptist writers, those who are in our, our same stream. And then we also use the wider Christian community uh, to, uh, to, to interpret uh, Scripture. Third, okay, it's widening out. It kind of has the Wi-Fi signals kind of going broader. So then how do we apply it? How does the Bible relate to us? We have, we've looked at our posture. We've interpreted it. Now, how does the Bible relate to us? How does Jesus, the living Word, bring clarity to the significance of the biblical text. Jesus gets the final word. So the gospels, the words of Jesus, the red letters in your Bibles, I don't know if it's on the apps, if it red letters still, but those are the, the words of Jesus. That gets the final word. Not the Old Testament, not the letters of Paul. It's the words of Jesus that, that gets that. How do we live that out? How does he teach us? How does the Spirit guide the community? This is the second question. How does the Spirit guide the community in its discernment and application of the, biblical, of the Bible's meaning? And then how do we also bridge the historical and cultural distance between ourselves and the world of the Bible and consider voices emerging from social and natural sciences? So now that we've checked our posture and interpreted the text, how do we as a community in Saskatoon in 2021, during a pandemic and just after an election, How do we sense what God is saying to us when we're looking at a passage that's from Paul under Nero 2,000 years ago? How does does it apply to us? What what do we accept? What do we go, "Mm, that was for them now, this is for us here. That goes under this third section of apply. Then we go to number four. Then we say, okay, how do I live this? And I find that far too quickly, I said this before, but I'll say it again. Far too quickly, people just jump to, okay, what do I do about it? Here's the Bible, and what do I do with it? And they miss the whole process here because we, we, we don't acknowledge our posture. We don't do interpretation. We just jump to, what do I do? And I find that, that so often 
we, we simply rush through Scripture. It's our, it's our instant society. That we just, I just want to know, just what do I do? Well, okay, take some time and process. And that, that's hard in, in, our, in, our, in our world today. But doing our, our acknowledging a posture and doing some good interpretive work, it, it just takes time uh, for us to, to get there. But then we draw conclusions. So then we say, okay, this is where the Word of God is leading us and how I should act out of my community and how I personally apply this to my life and how we as a corporate community apply this. So, uh, some questions around this one. How is the Spirit transforming our character, our perspectives, and values into the image of Christ? Our church is all about transformation in Jesus. How is that happening? How is the Spirit doing that? How do we faithfully follow Jesus and his, demand, and his disciples and obey his commands? And third, how do we put what God is saying through Scripture into practice, into practice in all of life? Not just when you show up on Sunday mornings and put on a good face, but no, at work, at school, among your roommates, among your family, in the midst of tensions, how do you live those things out? And, and it honestly takes courage here to live out the commands uh, the, out of obedience to Christ. The Bible often tells us to do things that we would rather not do. The Bible talks about giving up our lives, giving up our rights, giving up our freedoms, giving up our finances, loving our enemies, living in unity with brothers and sisters, honoring our father and mother, taking a day of rest. Often we don't like some of those things. They're hard. We kind of, no, I don't really feel like I should do that. But that's what it means to live out in obedience to Jesus. It means to live out all the commands. Anyways, don't, don't hear me say that I've interpreted Romans 13 for you. I hope I haven't said this or that as a, as a result of it. It was, it was just an example to how, of how to use our Mennonite Brethren uh, method and model to interpret uh, Scripture. And it's part of our training. We need to, we need to be trained. We need to understand uh, these things so that we can live out everything that Jesus has commanded us. Uh, as, I, as I conclude, I, I, I want to just... Uh, give you a reference here because there, it is a topic of today of how do we live out Romans chapter 13, 1? How do, we, how do we submit to authorities? What is that? And our conference has actually worked through a really strong statement that, that the Mennonite Brethren Church, but it was back in 2000. It was back before a lot of this stuff happened, and it's listed in our Confession of Faith. You can find that online uh, of what we believe. It doesn't answer every question that we're dealing with right here, right now in a pandemic and wearing masks and questioning vaccines and all of those kinds of things aren't, aren't, uh, aren't covered, but it does maybe guide us as to why even as a church we've made some decisions um, and this is why we, we uh, live this out. So I'm going to read our, our confession of faith here. Um, this article uh, on, on society and state and uh, you can follow along here as to, to what guides uh, the Mennonite Brethren in Canada uh, when it comes to this. It says this, We believe that God instituted the state to promote the well-being of all people. Christians cooperate with others in society to defend the weak, care for the poor, and promote justice, righteousness, and truth. Believers witness against corruption, discrimination, and injustice, exercise social responsibility, pay taxes, and obey all laws that do not conflict with the word of God. God has given governments authority to maintain law and order and punish wrongdoers. Followers of Christ respect and pray for those in authority 
so that peaceful order may prevail. We deplore the loss of life in the, ex- in the exercise of state-sanctioned violence. And then the, under the heading Christian Allegiance in Society, it says this, the primary allegiance of all Christians is to Christ's kingdom, not the state or society, because their citizenship is in heaven. Christians are called to resist the idolatrous temptation to give the state the devotion that is owed to God. As ambassadors for Christ, Christians act as agents of reconciliation and seek the well-being of all peoples. It goes on to talk about swearing oaths, and uh, you can read that on your own. We're just going to move past that. So as I work through this uh, in my com- with my community, uh, in the church, with friends, with family, with staff, in the larger denomination, uh, I, I, that's how I come to the place of supporting uh, the government's directions. I, I personally, I, I don't agree with all of them. I'm concerned about where our society is headed, but it also, it comes to me that, that live, in living this out, I feel it's within our church and our denomination's interpretation to get a vaccine, to wear a mask, to support local businesses, to care for frontline workers, and to pray for our government. So as we desire to uh, train ourselves in obedience, uh, we see God's word inspired by the Spirit and lived out in community. The, the call to remember the Lord's death the Lord's resurrection is central. And it, where we do that is at the table, the Lord's Supper. We come to the table together. That's the community gathered. That's the Spirit speaking to us. That's the Word of God directing us and guiding us. And so as a community, we're going to enter into a time of, uh, of communion. I'll call up Don and the the, the worship uh, team now. So I challenge you to use this, this model for your training. Use this method. This is how to use the model. Uh, use it in a community and find those people uh, to help you uh, interpret the word of the Lord.